Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. Hey, um, you can go ahead and have a seat right now. Going to let you know about a few things going on. You'll notice to my left and your right, there's balloons over there. And that's because somebody is turning 40 somebody's turning 40. So we'll celebrate that person. That person probably has the biggest smile on their face if you want to look around right now. She always has a smile on her face though, but we're going to celebrate her life today. And I know for some of you, you're like, why can't we celebrate my birthday? Why? But because she's more special than you. That's why. We celebrate no other birthdays, but for Laura Lee, we stop. And so, uh, yeah, so hopefully you can hang out for a little bit. Uh, we have all kinds of, Miley, we have all kinds of good stuff, right? Not just sugary stuff, but you made me hungry as you were talking because what kind of food do we have? Hey, basically, if you're on a diet, you just need to break it today, all right? So, yeah, it's worth it. Yeah. Hey, so once the service is over, normally we end it with a prayer. We're going to end it with singing happy birthday to her, so. And it's going to be in the key of C sharp. So if you guys can all just make sure you're, if you're on key, we'd appreciate that. Um, all right. Hey, uh, next week uh, is, a, is an important week for us. So we had the opportunity to kind of launch forward as a church in some ways. We've kind of kept a lot of things on the down low. Um, just kind of, you know, just um, keeping things very organic. And uh, buildings are starting to open up now. As schools are opening up. And so uh, right now we have one room that's open and the others, as far as the classrooms, aren't going to be open to us for a while. But we have some things to think through as a church. And I want you to be a part of it. I really want everyone to kind of own, if you call Access your home church, kind of own the decision making and, and uh, also the process. And so uh, basically what we need to figure out is the outdoors, for a lot of us, really like being outside. Um, some of us wouldn't mind being inside. And so uh, we got to talk that through as far as um, what it really looks like. You know, we go inside, masks are absolutely mandatory then. It won't be optional. We're outside. Uh, we leave it optional. Um, we also have to watch our attendance because we only have so many people in there. Uh, that means the kids are outside. Well, do we want to prioritize the kids being inside and we stay outside? And so we just got some church stuff. So we're going to provide lunch next week for everyone, but we need you to sign up. We need to know kind of who's coming, and, and uh, I'd like you to really prioritize that. If Access is um, your home church, uh, really try to make next Sunday a priority. Uh, I know it sounds weird, every Sunday should be a priority, but next week is really, really important uh, because I want you to participate in a discussion, uh, and it helps us as leaders, as elders, for us to really hear. And I just want to always remind you that as we make decisions as leaders, um, we need to hear everybody, but we have to make decisions. So if we don't make the decision you want, just know it's not because we don't like you. Um, we, but we want to hear you, but we not, might not be able to make the decision that you want, but we want all voices to be heard so we can really figure out what's best for everybody. Uh, and so next week, if you can sign up, uh, you can sign up now through that, Andrew, through the app. It's ready to go. So if you have your app, church app, you can sign up through events there. That church app also has the Bible. It has all the sermon notes where you can actually take notes on your phone. So that church app is really helpful for you. So you can download that. Uh, and, or you can just go online. 
And so we'd appreciate you doing that. If you could do that by like Thursday evening, that's going to give Laura Lee the chance to know how many people we have coming. Uh, we'd really appreciate that. So that's next week. Um, heads up. There's um, other things going on. Check out our events page uh, as far as what's happening. And uh, right now, how we're going to start off, as you guys know, every Sunday, this is not just a monologue. This is a dialogue. Chance for us to kind of hear from each other and get the brain warmed up before we kind of jump into uh, the Bible today. We're going to be in John 14. John 14 is where we're at today. We, we had our time in John 12 and 13, spent some time there. John 14 is where we're going to be today. Uh, but before we jump into that, go ahead and make sure, I want to make sure we're in discussion groups of between at least, you know, like four to eight people. And so if you're by yourself, there's only one or two, try to find a table, look around, uh, join somebody. And so um, what we're going to do today is uh, the first question to kind of warm us up. Uh, I know it's going to be a lot of vulnerability. There might be some tears, you know, so let people cry this out, but give your name, make sure everybody knows each other. And then in high school, and if you're in high school now, it's not gonna be that hard. Maybe you can go back in your days of junior high, like way back in the days when you were young. But for us older people, go back to high school. What was your best and worst subject? So we can really get to know you. What was your best and worst subject in high school? And if you're in high school, go back to junior high, all right? So give each other your names, make sure you know each other. Best and worst subjects, go for it. Start sharing your vulnerability. All right, <laughs> okay. Was that painful to share about your worst, your worst class? No, not too bad. Okay, here you go. Here's your next question before we, we jump into things. This is going to prep us. When you hear the word heaven, what comes to your mind? What do you feel? What do you think? Sometimes it brings up anxiety. Sometimes it brings up questions. Sometimes it brings up imagery. Um, sometimes it could bring up a band. Say hello to heaven. Yes, thank you very much. Great psalm back in the day. Um, what does it bring up? Heaven. Discuss it. Go for it. All right. For the sake of time. What, what are the things that bubble up? Either your answer or if you want to throw someone else under the bus and have them and, and you share someone else's answer. What are, what are things that come up? Imagery, questions, thoughts, feelings. Heaven. Say what? Peace. So that feeling of peace when you think of heaven. Awesome. What else? Seeing loved ones. Yep. So you think about heaven and people that you know. There, what else? Streets of gold, right? Huge mansions and just, all right. Freedom. Yep. Wonder and discovery. All right. Like those words. Say what? Where's it going to be? So there's some questions like, where are we going? Like, what, is this? what if it's like Bakersfield? He's like, welcome to Bakersfield. You're like, no, Bakersfield. <laughs> what about San Diego? No, heaven's in Bakersfield. <laughs> Anything else? What about back there? Well, you guys are all smiling. And I don't know what you're talking about back there. I'm worried about the Garcia table. Meet Frodo. Oh, that's where your guys' mind. Look at. Oh my gosh. All right. I think I'm done. We're no no more discussion. I'm gonna preach from this. No pain, no sorrow, no death. You went straight biblical. Yeah, Revelation 21. There you go. Biblical family. Nice. All right. John 14. Let me pray. And let's get ready to go. Jesus. 
I'm excited about today because I feel like it's going to be um, really clarifying, I hope, for us as a church. And I pray it would be really life-changing. I, I, my heart, God, is that every Sunday we would take advantage of the encouragement we can give each other, but also the encouragement you want to give us, that we'd come today realizing that our number one fan is not sitting next to us, but is inside of us, that you are our number one fan, that you created us for a reason, and that anything you do, if, it's a, if you discipline us, if you um, bless us, if you take away things from us, all that is for our benefit because you are a good God. And that's one thing we've learned, Jesus, is that as you've revealed the Father, you've revealed that God is good, that God is love. And I pray that we believe that today. And I pray that our perspective today, our perspective would be so different than the world's perspective, that it bring us peace and hope from what we experienced today. In your name, Jesus, amen. So several months ago, um, met with a, uh, a financial advisor and sat down with him and said, um, so, hey, you know, I'm, I'm getting that age where I'm starting to think about the end game more than, you know, more road behind me than in front of me and trying to think about the road in front of me. And uh, so we started talking and he goes, well, the best way to, so I said, what do I do here to make sure that, you know, that I'm good to go? He goes, the best thing to do is for us to start at the end and then work our way backwards. He goes, where most people, they start with a now and they never get to what's ahead. They just, talk, they just think about what, what, what I'm doing now. What's my lifestyle now? What's my income now? What's my, you know, what do I want to do now? I want a house now or I want a car now. Or I want these things now. And they don't think about the future because you got to start with the future and let that dictate today. Otherwise, how you live today could really impact your future in a way that's not good. And so he goes, where, where do you want to be? And he says, well, what lifestyle, how much income, where do you want? How, you know, you want to live small house, big house, you guys want to travel. So we did all this planning and then we worked backwards. And what we realized is my lifestyle today did not match for what I wanted in the future. <laughs> so he goes, first of all, you need to change your budget. Second of all, you need to find a way to make more money because <laughs> this is how much you need to put in per month to make sure that your kids aren't supporting you. <laughs> I'm like, well, maybe that could just work out. So, you know, and so, but you had to start with the end to figure out how to live for today. And many of us, we just hope it works out, right? People talk about putting your head in the sand. And one of the things I talk about is when your head's in the sand, that means your butt's in the air. And that means it's not hard for your butt to get kicked. Because <laughs> you're, yeah, very profound. That imagery right now is sticking in your guy's head. But here's the thing, it needs to be because we stick our head in the sand about the future. Oh, that'll never happen. Oh, it'll just, uh, Right? And then we wonder why life kicks our butt. That's what Jesus is going to be doing today. My thesis today, and every week I try to give you a thesis. This is what today is about. Life can only make sense from a heavenly perspective. Life can only make sense from a heavenly perspective. If you lack a heavenly perspective, you will lack an ability to truly live life. I don't believe in heaven or I don't want to think about it. That's fine that's going to impact your day-to-day -day living. So Jesus has been talking about righteousness. Jesus has been talking about love. And now look at what Jesus talks about with the disciples. Because remember, he's only a few days away from leaving them. And how are they going to live with him going to heaven, right? How are they going to be able to endure the things they need to endure? Because remember, in the next few chapters, he talks about life's going to be rough. 
I always think it's funny as a Christian when they talk about prosperity and life should be peaceful and easy and no stress and all that kind of stuff. It's like, that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, this is what's ahead of you. It's a rough road. So how do I get through it in a way that really honors God? How do I get through it in a way where, where I stay faithful to God, where I stay encouraged? And he said, well, here's one of the ways. John 14, 1 says this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I not tell you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me that you also may be where I am. You know the place where I am going. We're going to stop there because it, it continues on a conversation. But we see over the next few chapters, Jesus kind of hints at this thing of, listen, in order for you to be comforted through the troubles that you're going to go through, because life will bring troubles. Being a godly person does not mean that you uh, are adverse to having difficulty and trials. But how do we get through that in a way that's different than the world? The paranoia, the anxiety, the chaotic living that comes up when you feel in trouble and you just start, you don't know where to go. What kind of anchors us? And Jesus is going to say over and over again, it's this perspective. How do I have a, a heart that's not troubled, right? Many of us are troubled by what's going on with this pandemic. Maybe it's troubled within this political climate or maybe just even this social climate as far as just things being so intense and so inflammatory, right? There's so many things that can trouble us or maybe within our home, maybe a marriage can trouble us or the direction of our kids can trouble us or there's so many things, right? And we wonder why there's so many problems in the world, right? And so many issues emotionally and relationally, all that kind of stuff. Well, because apart from God, of course, there's nothing to hold on to. There's no anchor. And so Jesus says, listen, do not let your hearts be troubled. How? By understanding what God is preparing for you. By looking towards heaven. By looking at the end game, it helps you with today's game. There's really three aspects of heaven, or three effects, I would say, of heaven that I think are important for us. Because our, our JQ challenge this week is going to be to live each day with an eternal and heavenly perspective and see how that impacts your day. Don't think about just today, but think about today in light of eternity. But there's three things. One is what we realize is that our trials are temporary. One of the things that heaven reminds us is that our trials are temporary, which is really important because many of us react to a difficulty or a trial as if it's going to be that way forever. And if you think a difficulty is going to be that way forever, you lose hope and ho loss of hope goes to depression. Because what's depression? Depression is just sadness with last, lack of hope. That's what depression is. Where sadness, I can embrace the difficulty, but I can still find hope that God is good and that God will work this out, right? And so there's that, that fine line there. But Revelation 21, I encourage you to read Revelation 21 and 22 this week. Watch how that impacts you as far as read that daily and see how it impacts your day. Read about heaven and what's coming daily. And one of the things that Revelation 21 talks about, and a lady brought this up, was that heaven, the reality of it is that it's the, abs uh, the absence of pain, no more tears, no more difficulty. All the effects of sin in our world are taken away, which is hard for us to imagine. We, we almost can't imagine a day where we wake up and there's no conflict, there's no problems, there's no difficulty, there's no wrong being done. We can't imagine that. And that's what heaven is. There's a, there's a hope there of, listen, whatever you go through now 
it will not be that way forever. One of the things I remember my, my coach saying, we, uh, I ran track in, um, in eighth grade, and we were a very good track team, and he was preparing us to go to, to nationals. And he said, uh, when we won, um, we didn't win, but we got third place in state, and that qualified us nationals. And he goes, hey, we're going to up our game. We're going to start doing two practices a day. And we're like, ah. You know, like, oh, my God. Like, almost like he cared more about nationals than we did. We're like, you know, we don't care what we place. And uh, one of the things I remember our coach used to say, because um, funny I brought up Bakersfield before, because that's where I lived at the time. And um, in order to prepare us, he, we used to run in sand. I don't know if you've ever run in sand or attempted, like, running even at the beach. If you've never done it, it's, it's painful. It's absolutely, yeah, it's painful. Well, we used to run in um, the canals that are empty and deep sand, and, and we'd do that for strength training and things like that. We hated it. And he used to be in a truck up on the bank yelling. Yeah, he was that kind of coach. He wouldn't be down with us. And so, um, but he always used to say this, pain is temporary and pain is necessary. Pain is temporary and pain is necessary. To get where you want to go, you're going to have to endure pain, but it's temporary. And you always used to think, think about winning. Think about that feeling and, and, and put that pain in perspective. And the Bible talks about this, that any pain that we go through, that part of our faith is that God uses it for his glory and actually for our good. I've seen that over and over as a pastor where people are in maybe relationship pain, even physical pain, emotional pain. And I've seen them drawn to God desperately and passionately. Their prayer life explodes. Their humility is just so deep because they've been, they've been humble. They can't do what they used to do or whatever like that. And, and they're flourishing this fruit and they're encouraging others. And other people are like, man, look at how they each day just struggle to fight for God. And other people are encouraging. As soon as God takes away that pain, what do you think happens? Gone. Prayer life begins to dissipate because there's nothing drawing me into God. Church attendance begins to go down because now I'm healthy and now I'm busy and now I'm traveling. And it's nothing bad. They're not doing anything sinful. But all of a sudden I see and now they're not encouraging people in the church and they're just... And it's interesting that as a pastor, just having this perspective, doing this for over 25 years where I'm seeing like some of the very things that we don't want in our life is the very things that draw us into God. So we do everything to avoid pain and what happens is that causes where we begin to avoid God because you will, you will meet God in the most intimate way through difficulty and trials and pain. And when you eliminate that, many of us can eliminate an intimate, passionate walk with God and also a powerful way to affect other people. Right? We're all affected by that. Have you ever been around someone that just, they're enduring something in an amazing way, in a faithful way, in a humble way? Does that inspire you? You're just like, I got, I remember in my early 20s, I got into reading about martyrs. I don't know why, but I was just like people that died for, you know, God and just all these amazing stories. But I noticed there was something in my life that was just like, it emboldened. It's just like, man, their suffering done in a faithful way emboldened me and grew my faith in my early 20s. Reading about someone being prosperous and God giving them everything and that didn't inspire me. How do we do that? How do we get through that? By realizing pain is temporary. And for, for some of us, that temporary might be six months. I'm going to be very honest. For some of us, that temporary might be 60 years. But in light of forever, if that pain lasts your whole life, it's still temporary. 
and this goes into the next point, is this, righteousness is rewarded. One of the things that's motivating about heaven is righteousness is rewarded. Now, I remember early on when I first became a Christian, there's some people that are like, listen, Jesus should be enough. You shouldn't obey God because of rewards and what he'll do for you. That's not godly. I'm like, well, that's actually completely unbiblical, just so you know. Write down Hebrews 11.6. Hebrews 11.6. And, and just so you know, when Christians say things that you're like, oh yeah, that sounds good. Always go to the Bible. Because even if it sounds good, it could be completely satanic. Oh yeah, God always wants to do this. Is it in the Bible? You should just follow Jesus just because of that relationship, not anything he does for you. Well, that's not what the Bible says. In fact, look what Hebrews 11.6 says. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. That's really important, right? You got to believe that he's real. Okay. But what else? And that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I encourage you to read Matthew 6. Check out all the things that God rewards you for. It says, if you're persecuted because of your faith, God rewards you. If you pray for other people, God rewards you. How cool is that? God, anything you do that is righteous, God is rewarding you. This also puts my pain in perspective because if I know my pain's gonna be used for good, I don't mind it as much, right? Just like an athlete. If I know that we're trained twice a day, but all of a sudden I see my time's improving, and that's what happened. When he first said two practices a day, we were just like, we were, we were ticked. In fact, a couple of the guys would only show up to one. But then over the preceding weeks, we noticed our times dramatically falling. And then all of a sudden that reward of seeing where we ranked in the nation, where we're at, and that excitement of, oh, I'll suffer more. I, I get that. I'll suffer more. The, the glory's coming. As much as glory from an eighth grader for running it, you know, but it's just like, what if we had that perspective as Christians? Oh, when I'm, when I'm sick and others are healthy, but it draws me to prayer or, or I can inspire other people or I'm more humble now. I don't have as much arrogance and I'm rewarded for that. Let it last, baby. Oh, I'm persecuted rather than quitting that job. Oh, they don't like Christians and being like, wait, I show up to work. I'm persecuted as a Christian, but I get rewarded. Bring it on. Now, here's the problem for a lot of us is, do you believe? Do you believe that God rewards you and that reward is going to be good? I think that's what it comes I think, honestly, many of us, we just don't believe God's going to reward us. So then what's the pain worth? It's worth nothing. Understanding that heaven is the award ceremony, not here on earth. That's really, really important. This is the training. That's where we get the award. But that he does award. He awards every single act of righteousness. And how that motivates me in my righteousness. For us, like, I'm a professional. I'm getting paid to be godly. Let's do it. That's exciting. And that could be motivating. That gives us perspective each day of what I go through. It comes from a heavenly perspective. If I can go through this righteously, then there's an award there. Now, the award's just not for me, but it's also for others because it inspires others. And when fruit grows in my life, others can partake of that fruit. Know this. 
when fruit grows out of your life, it's not just so you're a good looking tree, like, wow, that's a good looking tree. It's that thing, that fruit that others then can, in a sense, feed off that spiritual fruit. And then they become strong and they become more fruitful. The third aspect of heaven is that relationships are restored. So righteousness is rewarded and relationships are restored. Philippians chapter 3 talks about that we get new bodies and that we're just like Christ, which means we get new relationships. All things are made new. Again, going back to Revelation 21. Jesus is saying, hey, be comforted in this, you guys. Be comforted in this. Is that is that your pain is temporary, your trials are temporary, and that your righteousness is rewarded and that you will be restored. You will be made new. We see this when Jesus resurrected. This, we're going to see this at the end of John, right? When Jesus resurrected, he was different. His body was literally different. Now, here's what's important for us, though, is that he still had a body. For some of us, we think of heaven, it's almost like, like, what do we turn into? Like, you know, are we just kind of like floating? Do we have little wings? You know, are we like, you know, what's it? Are we just kind of like, is it like a dream, you know, where it's kind of, I'm kind of aware, but I'm kind of not. And, all. and that's all from the movies. No, you're going to be very, it's going to be more real or just as real as this right here. And we're going to have bodies. They're just going to be different. The science and the rules that, that, that dictate our body today will not apply there. And we saw Jesus, he literally walked through walls. He would appear. He would do these things that, again, the rules and the laws of this world don't apply to heaven, but it's actually even better. And so, yes, you're going to be very conscious. Yes, you're going to be very real. But you're going to be made new without the disease, the sickness, the effects of all the sin. And so in light of this, this is what Paul says, and I encourage you, Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21, This is what Paul says to Christians. He says, listen, our citizenship is in heaven. Not here. This is what I've been talking about over the last few months. We don't get wrapped up in the things of this world. And if you're finding yourself obsessed with the things of this world, obsessed with looks, obsessed with money, obsessed with politics, obsessed with this life, I'm not saying that you're not aware of it. I'm not saying you don't participate. I'm saying obsessed. It has my heart, my emotions, my desires. What that, re- what that reveals is I don't view myself as a citizen of heaven. I view myself as a citizen of this earth. But when I'm a citizen of heaven, I'm just visiting. And don't visitors act different than residents? <laughs> they enjoy it more. I don't know if you notice people that like come uh, the Wine and Balloon Festival or people that come and visit Temecula or you have friends that come in right? And they just notice everything. Oh my God, look at the hill. And you're like, oh, I didn't notice it. Oh yeah, there's hills there, you know? Oh, look at this. And oh, you got all these cool things. And you're like, ah, it's just Temecula. It's just Miriam, right? We just come here. We're just visitors. Our real residence is in heaven. So Paul says, listen, so we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like his glorious body. God changes us now, but we're not completely transformed to heaven, just so you know. And that's the frustration with living here. 
is we know what is to come, but we don't get there yet. But my whole challenge to you guys is this. Do we even have the perspective of what is to come? Because that'll dictate today. So if this week is one full of trials, I could put those seven days in perspective of forever. If I know that I'm awarded in, in, in building an inheritance, not just here to where I'm 65 and can retire, but what about thinking about retiring in heaven and am I building an inheritance there? And in Matthew 6, the reason it's important is because Jesus says, listen, where your treasure is is where your heart is. And if all you're trying to do is build capital here, this is where your heart is. And again, then you got to reevaluate, am I even a citizen of heaven? Because I could care less about it. Or is it one of those things that I want to build an inheritance in hell? I want to build a great retirement in heaven, not just here. These things here, super important. I didn't realize I needed them. In the last year, I needed these things, these glasses. Because right now, some of you are a little fuzzy, but I can't even read my notes right now. It's just... And, and you know, what's interesting is, I don't know if any of you have, have experienced this, but when it started happening, I tried to fight it, right? And, and I got made fun of because some of you noticed I started doing this with my notes, <laughs> right? You see people do that or like a menu, right? You do the menu and you're like, what? Wait, was that a burrito? Is that a sandwich? You know, you're doing this. And it gets frustrating, right? It's frustrating. It's like, I can't see correctly. These bad boys in. I can see you. Good looking crowd. My notes, any distance. I can see. I can read my notes. This week, put on the heavenly lenses because some of you are walking around blind and you can't figure out life and life is frustrating. You're doing this because you have no perspective. You're living as a blind person. You're running into things. You can't see clearly. The beauty of Jesus says, listen, let me tell you the end game. If you know the end of the movie, you don't have to wonder, oh, do they die or not die? You know, you already know the end of the movie. Here's the end of the movie. Is anything you go through, if you go through it righteously, will be awarded. You will be transformed. All things from here will pass away. So whatever you go through, if you trust God, he will use it or he will resurrect it for good. So you trust his timing, knowing that this will not last forever. Perspective. So how does heaven help me? What if I had a heavenly eternal perspective when it came to raising my kids? What if rather worrying about their GPA, who they're going to marry, how they're going to do this, you know, all the room clean, all kind of that. What if from a heavenly perspective, I'm like, you know what? My greatest thing I could do as a parent is evangelize my kids. Not make it to where they don't embarrass me in public. That's my greatest worry, right? What if my greatest worries from a heavenly perspective, oh, maybe I should make sure my kids actually know Jesus. What's the greatest way to show your kids or, or, or to teach your kids Jesus? Show it to them. What if my greatest object from an eternal perspective is today I want to show Jesus to my kids, not have them do and obey everything that I want them to do. Heaven truly changes then your eternal perspective with your kids. What if my problems were put in perspective? I don't have the home that I want. I don't have the clothes that I want. Oh my God, I'm going to lose five pounds. Oh my God, I'm going to get fat. Oh my God, I'm going to look at it in the summer. Oh my God, oh my hair. We do. 
And from a heavenly perspective, is anybody going to care in heaven about these things now? That's the challenge this week. The JQ challenges put the heavenly perspective glasses on. And here's what Jesus told the disciples and tells you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Some of our hearts are troubled because we're living as if there's no eternity and there's no heaven. I want to encourage you guys this week. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Put on the heavenly perspective and let's see this week how that gives you peace, how that gives you joy, and how that actually changes the way you do life. Does that sound good? So if you're in a connection group, that's our discussion this week. So get ready to share about that and to wrestle with that and see how that brings you peace in your life. We're going to take time to, as we always do with worship, just kind of like contemplate this. Think about this as we sing these songs. And uh, you can also take communion anytime you want during these songs. The communion's over there and... um, the, the little bread is in the, the cup. It's all together there. And you peel it off, take that. And here's why it's important to always go back to um, communion. Because of this. The number one fear for humanity has always been what? What's the number one fear? Death. Always. Now we act like it's not because we never talk about it because our heads are in the sand, which means our butt's in the, right? Right? We never want to think about it. But here's the end game. Your life here is limited, but here's the beauty is. If you don't have heaven, that means there's no meaning to this life. I always find it funny when people are like, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in heaven. Then why do you obey rules? Why are you nice to people? Nobody's going to remember. Nobody cares. And that's why our society always gets more animalistic when you take out heaven and God. It has to. Because without heaven and purpose and a future, we're just, ant- we're nothing. It all just disappears. In fact, we should, I'm always blown away by people that are, don't believe in God and they're moral. Like, why? There's something in you that says, I don't know, maybe I should be, there's something in you. Let's be honest with ourselves, right? This is the beauty of communion. It gives you the confidence that Jesus said, listen, as I die and rise again, you will die and rise again. That's the hope that we have. God will resurrect all things, including ourselves. So as we die to ourselves here, and as we go through difficulty, knowing we will be resurrected, and that gives us hope for our troubled hearts. Jesus, we we slow down as a church, and God, sometimes we begin to live as this world lives, as if there's no forever, and, and almost like this is the end game. Our money our health, our job, the rat race, keeping up with the junk. Like that's the, we don't realize like, no, that's not the end game at all. Being with you without all the drama of this world is the end game. And God, I pray that we live this week in perspective that. First of all, God, I, I pray we live in a way of knowing that we are going to heaven. That we'd make sure that our relationship with you that our sins are forgiven and that we've acknowledged that you are God, you do exist, but also that you're good and that you want to reward us, God, and that we would, the greatest reward we can have is the forgiveness of our sins, our record is clean, and knowing that we're adopted into the family. And God, I pray from there that those of us that are there, that we would live in a way that people realize you're different. You don't live as a citizen of this world. You have a different priority. And God, I pray that people would see that. And I pray that our hearts would not be troubled. We'd have peace and strength 
in the light of eternity. Help us to put on those lenses of seeing the end game and what life is really about. We worship you now in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to go to accesschurch.com. 